Blog Talk Radio. Mr. Pop. The views and opinions of this show do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this network and its affiliates. Mr. Pop. via Blog Talk Radio, syndicated on the Arena Sports Network. However you may be listening to us, um, we thank you for showing up. Obviously, it's a happy Halloween out there to everybody. Um, And we've had, there's a lot to get to tonight, so... um, We're going to try to hit as many topics as we can, talk about as much things, get through as much as we can. Of course, if you want to add in to your, add into the talk or add something to, uh, add something to the discussion, feel free to call us, call in. The number is 646-668-8467. And of course, we're willing to discuss all the happenings in sports. We'll get to the college football playoff which the rankings were uh, put out last night. We'll talk about them for a little bit. We'll talk about last week's college football games, this week's college football games, how they influence the rest of the season. We'll talk about the NFL trade deadline, moves that were made, games that were played last week that influenced trades. Um, and, of course, the games coming up this this uh, Thursday, Sunday, and Monday in the NFL. So, 
a lot to get to. Plus, we got the situation down in Maryland to deal with. So there's just so much going on in the world of sports. But I want to begin with I want to begin with when we left the air last week. Um, we were talking about. Uh, we were watching Game Two of the World Series, so obviously the World Series has ended. So there was a winner, and we need to discuss it. Um, so the Red Sox beat the Dodgers, and we have a caller right off the bat. So um, why don't we just why don't we take the call, and then and then we'll get into what we need to get into. But let's. Uh, Let's do this first. All right, welcome to the Fit Down Sports Show. What's going on, buddy? Hey, how you doing? Uh, it's Lou from Jersey. Oh, what's going on, Lou? Yeah, well, of course, uh, much to my dismay, the Dead Sox uh, won on Cliffs on Sunday. Ugh. So That they did. I was just getting into that. The Red Sox are World Series champions, and it, um, it, it's – if you listen to the national media about this subject, they would you would believe that the Dodgers had the best chance to win this series, and the Dodgers just blew it. This couldn't sure be did. further from the truth. Yeah. It, 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 it just amazes me that people say, "Oh, the Dodgers blew the World Series." The Red Sox have been the the Red Sox were the best team in baseball since. Almost February, they were the best team in spring training. They had they, I, we went back and checked it. They had the best record in spring training. They were the best yeah, team in April. Nothing. No, but I'm just saying they were the best team in spring training. They were the best team in April. They were the best team at the All Star break. They were the best team at the end of the season. They were the best team in the playoffs. In the playoffs, they won both series on the road against two teams that won 100 games. So if you went into this series thinking, well, the Dodgers have a chance, how, how do you get to, the, well, the Dodgers blew it. The Dodgers didn't blow it. They got beaten by a better team. A better team beat them. That's the difference. That, that's the only reason to bring up Hey, the Red Sox have been the best team. At no point in this series did you think, well, the Dodgers have a stranglehold on this on this series. Or even in, in games, you would say, I've had people come at me and say, well, you know, the Dodgers the Dodgers bullpen gave up a lead in game in game three and game four and game five. They gave up a one run lead. A one run lead against the Red Sox is not is not a, a death-defying lead. I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr., the ninth hitter, swings out of his shoes and hits a home run game is tied. Um, you know, uh, Steve Pierce is the MVP. What? How does that happen? That doesn't happen unless the team is really good because those are not the good players. The MVP wasn't Mookie Betts. The MVP wasn't J.D. Martinez. And it's not like those guys – played down. Those guys played almost as good as they should have. It's just they had role players that stepped up and played even better. So the Red Sox were able to just... It, it wasn't like the... I, 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 I try to have this this feeling about this. When people say, well, how did the... The, the Dodgers blew it. The Dodgers blew the World Series. 
How did they blow the series? They never had a lead in the series. They blew. The only thing you could say to them is they blew game four, where they were up. I think I think they were up four runs. The Red Sox came back to score five runs and win the game. You could say they blew that game. They didn't blow the series though. The series was over before it started. If you thought the Dodgers were gonna, you know, challenge the Red Sox and bring the Red Sox to seven games, I did. You weren't paying attention to the season. It's like it's the people that it's the people that started paying attention to baseball at, uh, you know, in August or in September. Those are the people that were like, oh well. Maybe the Dodgers can handle the Red Sox. There's nothing that says the Dodgers were on the Red Sox level at all during that season. The only thing that they had was they had Clayton Kershaw, and that's all the Dodgers relied on. That's all they could hope for. And the problem is the Red Sox hit Kershaw well because they know how to hit good pitching. But... That's my take on the World Series. What did you want to say about the World Series, Lou? Well, I was hoping for I was hoping for you know a seven game series. I would figure that that the Red Sox were going to win it, but you know I was hoping the Dodgers would make it more of a competitive series. For the most part, they did not, with the exception of well, Game Three. I, for competitive, I mean each game was competitive. It wasn't like the Dodgers got blown out of the wall, you know. It wasn't like the games were the Dodgers getting blown out. You know, they were just losing to a better team. I mean, games are, and as far as exciting for what series, you couldn't get a better game than game three. Game three had everything you wanted to have in it. I mean, it was almost two game. It was almost two games in one. Um, you got, you had, you had great starting pitching. Um, from from the rookie Bueller, you had great pitching. All of a sudden, Jackie Bradley Jr. comes up in the eighth inning, hits a home run, ties the game up off off the Dodgers closer. I mean, how many times have we seen Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a two out home run to give his team the lead or tie the game? I mean, it, it's crazy. And then in an era where everybody is mixing and matching pitching and no, everybody wants to match up your reliever, fight, you know, play against this guy, play against that guy. Nathan Evaldi goes nine innings. <laughs> he pitched a nine-inning game. In the at, at the end, he pitched the last nine innings of the game. I mean, that's crazy. In an era where starting pitchers, the starting pitchers, everybody was like. Well, you know, he's up to around 65, 70 pitches. You've got to take him out. Evaldi threw 95 pitches in relief. I mean, that game had everything. That had everything that baseball fans wanted it to be. The only problem, the only problem I had with that game was that it was Friday night and it was, you know, the game didn't end until. The game didn't end until 3.45 in the morning. You know, um, that's the only problem. I mean, how many people besides Red Sox and Dodgers fans and maybe some hardcore baseball fans or people like me who are just sports junkies, 
know, how many people were staying up until 4 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast to watch the end of that game. That's the only problem. I mean, baseball, that, that's the one problem that baseball has is when you get a moment like this in a playoff game, because the games start at 8 o'clock in the, after, you know, 8 o'clock in the evening, by the time you get to the ninth inning, it's already, it's already late. You tack on extra innings, and you're, get, you're getting even later. So, you know, a lot of people miss the pageantry. They have to catch it on replay or catch, you know, the highlights the next day. Um, so that's something maybe baseball can try to work out, but there's not really a way to fix that, that when you have teams on the West Coast and, te- and East Coast fan bases. It, it's hard to figure out, but that's really the only problem I had with the series. Other than that, this yeah. series had everything you wanted in five games. I mean, you didn't need a sixth or seventh game to really figure this series out. Um, but it still had everything that you wanted it to have. What was that, Lil? I mean, you were saying, uh, trying to how to how to um, fix it. I mean, how how do you how do you fix it? I mean, yeah, the game starts at eight o'clock. But then the West Coast fans would be complaining, oh, you know, it's going to be on the to get out of work and whatnot. We're going to miss, the, you know, half the game anyway. So, like, I don't know how you can't fix it. Right. The the time zones you can't really fix. It's, it is what it is. Um, you know, but it, it's, it's, just, it's just a shame that, you know, you can't get – that kind, of, but the only other way to fix that is to play the the you know, and, and the problem is it was a Friday night game, so you know you can't start it. I was going to say you know you could do weekend afternoon games, but um, you know that that wouldn't work during the week because people aren't going to take off of work to watch a baseball game unless their team is in it. Right. Um. But um, well, yeah, there, there's really no there's no way more. to fix there's no way to fix it. But I I, I would that's the other thing. I, I would start the playoff games. I would start them at seven, even yeah. start them at seven thirty. You know, even if you don't want to go seven, start them at seven thirty. Um, yeah. You know, but the one thing is that seven thirty our time. You got to think uh, if you're out west. You know, that's 4.30 out there, so people are missing, you know, they might miss the beginning of the game. Um, and people will always say, oh, it's an East Coast bias because, they, you know, the East Coast people uh, get all the breaks. They get to watch the beginning of the game. I, I, to me, I think you, I think being able to watch the end of the game is more important than watching the beginning of the game. That's yes. just my opinion, I mean, tell the people well, um, that Alaska and Hawaii. What good time it starts for them? Yeah. So. Okay, bad example. You get my point, though. Yeah, I we, you know, it, it's something. It's something that I think they need to. I I, th- I think it's something that you can do. I I think starting the game, starting the game, also starting the games on time, is is important and. They tend to not do that in the uh, – when, when they say the game is going to start at 8 o'clock, 
what they really mean is first pitch is going to be at 820. So, yeah. If that. Sometimes they start but, at 830. Oh, but, you know, we're a half an hour pregame. Oh, boy. But that's the world of but that's the world of baseball and that's what makes baseball great is that there is no clock. It's not like you could sit there and say, All right, we're gonna finish this game up in two and a half hours or we're you know, we're gonna have an, an hour's worth of game time and uh, an hour's worth of clock time and mm-hmm. we'll see how, how long the game goes. That that's the beauty of baseball, is that it doesn't work that way. I'll put it to you this way. The only thing that lasted longer than that game was my first marathon back in 1992. <laughs> no, really. Yeah, that one took no, eight hours and 20 minutes. Wow. What can I say? I'm not an elite runner. <laughs> no, there you go. Hey, as long as you finish your marathon, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter right, the time. As long as you finish. Afterwards. Huh? Mm-hmm. All right, well, Lewis, so what's on your mind besides the World Series? Well, right now, most of my teams are in a, are in a sinkhole right now. You know, the Knicks and Nets are, are doing lousy. Giants are a dumpster fire. Jets are mediocre at best. So, the Giants? Uh, for the most part, most of my teams are, you know, below subpar. Look, the Giants are such a dumpster fire. Their backup quarterback can't even get to practice without getting arrested. That's right. That's where the Giants. That's where the Giants' season is at. So, um, you know, take it for what it is. But and and I I, I posted this out during during the game against the Washington Redskins. If you watched that game on Sunday against the Redskins. Everybody, everybody was coming at Eli Manning. Oh, it's Eli Manning. Yeah. Eli Manning needs to – you need to be quiet about – you You know, Giants fans need to be quiet about Eli Manning. Yes, they do. It was fourth and four. Eli Manning puts the pass right in between the numbers of the tight end, Evan Ingram, and it goes literally right through his hands. This you can blame Eli Manning for a lot of things. Eli Manning put that pass right on the money. His guy didn't catch it. He catches it. They get a first down. They're in that football game. Instead, what happens? Fourth down, turnover. Redskins get the ball. Two plays later, they hand it to uh, Adrian Peterson, and he runs for that 70 or so yard touchdown run. And that, and that was the ball game. So Giants fans can sit there and they can call WFAN and they can get the hosts on that network all riled up about the Giants and about Eli Manning and about how they should have made a change. Eli Manning did not lose you that football game. Eli Manning didn't, didn't make decisions to lose you that game. Eli Manning made the right decisions. His playmakers did not make plays. That's what the problem is in New York, is they have playmakers that pick and choose when to show up. And they don't show up in the brightest spots. You saw Odell Beckham made one of the best catches of the probably of the season. Probably would have been catch of the year. Problem mm-hmm. is the Giants were already down twenty-seven to seven. I mean, it, I, I'm just I'm just tired of this. 
of this woe is me Giants view. We need to get rid of Eli. We need to see what we have other than Eli. Other than Eli, you have nothing. We know that from what we saw in the preseason. We know you have nothing behind Eli Manning. There's nothing out there to replace Eli Manning. So the Giants, the Giants have, have a lot of soul-searching to do before they even worry about the quarterback position because the rest of their team needs a lot of help. They certainly do. And, of course, the, uh, of course, the Jets were in Chicago this weekend, and that, I mean, the Jets didn't, didn't look any better. Um, I believe they had something like a, uh, I think I read that, uh, Sam Darnold had like 150 passing yards. I mean, I watched some of that game as I got home. I saw the tail end of that game and, and the Jets couldn't move the football at all against that, against that kind of defense. And, yeah, they, the offense just looked, looked like it was basically Sam Darnold drop back. And hopefully you can find something short to, to, you know, if you can't find anything short, he's struggling to throw the deep ball. And I don't know if it's that the receivers can't get open downfield. I don't know if it's the play coverage. I don't know if it's the arm strength, if it's what it is about Sam Darnold. But the Jets can't move the football down the field, um, you know, in chunks. What their ch- their chunk plays come from screens, from short passes to receivers that run past people, but they don't get the big they don't get the big play out of their quarterback. And teams are starting to notice that, and they're going to pack the box and make Sam throw the ball over the top because they know if he does that, he's going to make a mistake, throw an interception, and that that's how that's what the Jets are doing right now. Um, what do you think, Will? Yeah, it's not getting yeah, it's not getting much better either. But at least he's still doing better than the Giants. Oof. At least there at least there's that, and at least they have at least they have a competent quarterback, unlike the other New York football team, who <laughs> actually just signed Matt Barkley. So they seem to be going in reverse here. They instead of bringing in guys who they think have talent. Instead, they just keep going in the way back machine. They pulled out Derek Anderson. He's out. So who do they get? They get former Eagles quarterback, former USC Trojan, Matt Barkley. Um, I think the guy's thrown like seven passes in the last three years. So the, the bills are a mess. Um, and, and we saw that on Monday. They're just they're, their defense played so good, and then finally they were just like, our offense can't score. What are we doing out here? This is and they just you could see it that they just gave up, and that's going to happen on that defense a lot this year for the Bills. That offense can't do anything other than hand the ball to Lashawn McCoy. That that's about it in Buffalo. Exactly. So New York football is not going well. Um, no. And 
you would want to say you would want to say to people at that point you would say all right well at least at least we can head to the garden oh wait no can't go to the garden to watch no. the Knicks because they're a dumpster fire. You can't go to the garden to watch the Rangers because they're a dumpster fire. Um, actually, they were a dumpster fire last year. The fire burned down, and now the the ashes are still there. They, they haven't. They say they're they're rebuilding, but they haven't started rebuilding yet. They're just kind of leaving the words. leaving the ashes there words. until they. So they can start figuring it out. Well, then you could head over to the island. Oh wait, the Islanders are almost as bad, uh, almost as bad as Rangers. They're a little bit farther along than the Rangers on their rebuild, but still not worth watching. So maybe you have to head across the river and go down to Jersey and watch the Devils play if you want to see some good sports action. Well, I'll, just catch a game on, I'll just catch a game on cable. Yeah, I, I I agree. I wouldn't want to go down and watch the Devils either. But yeah. that's the New York sports scene right now because it's in dire straits. And, of course, of course, all across the way, I mean, the Bruins are, are doing well. The Bruins are doing well. The Red Sox are winning the World Series. The Patriots are winning the AFC East again. Yeah, and the boss and the Boston Celtics are the best team in the Eastern Conference. So <laughs> everything about New York is doom and gloom right now, and everything about Boston is on the rise. So you got that to look forward to. Yeah, not really. No. Um. Uh, did you see the uh, college football rankings? Come out, Lou. Yeah, I did. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think about the rankings? I'm going to get into it a little bit later in the show, but I wanted to get your opinion. Well, I do have an agree, but you know, the thing is going to happen is, you know, the loser of the Alabama LSU game, you know, the loser is going to drop and probably find itself out of the race. So, uh, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty big week for college football. Well. I think I think the committee the committee did something smart here, which is and and not it, it they did something smart on their part, not smart for us that have been paying atten- that are paying attention, but smart be- because they can now fool everybody who hasn't been paying attention, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what they did. What they did was. They protected Alabama. They protected right. Alabama against LSU. By putting LSU three and Notre Dame four, if LSU beats, beats Alabama, what the committee can say is, hey, Alabama lost, but they lost to LSU, so we'll just, fl- we'll just flip them. So you see... The loser of, you know, if Alabama, they protected Alabama from being out of the playoff, of the playoff picture against LSU this week. That's uh-huh. what they did. And, and that's their, and if you, if you look at their, their picks over the last couple of years, that's what they do. They protect 
the teams that they want to be there. They're going to protect the Clemsons. They're going to protect the Alabamas and give them a shot. If they, if they don't fall, you know, if they lose and they falter, they're going to build, they built in systems so that those teams can get back because they know Alabama is their cash cow come the end of the year. People are, mm-hmm. people want to see Alabama and Nick Saban in the playoff. People want to see Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers in the playoff. That's what they want to see. Those are the money. Those are the money teams, and you can you can prove it if you if you just look at how many times both those teams have been in since the playoff has been um, constructed. It really doesn't matter what they do during the season. If they if they go undefeated, they're in. If they lose a game, they'll find a way to put them in. If they don't play in a conference champion, doesn't matter. They'll they'll find a way to put them in. That's what the committee is tasked to do. They're tasked to put, and and people will say this as, well, they're tasked to find the four best football teams. Really? That's how they're, they're tasked to find the four best. And then, but if you listen to their rhetoric, it's not about the four best. It's about who's got a better resume. Nothing they say, everything they do is different. One team, they'll say, well, Alabama's just clearly better than everybody else. Okay, so on the field. So you're looking at their on-the-field play. Then they'll go down and they'll say, well, we put LSU over Notre Dame because they have the best, they have a better resume. Okay, but who's the better? You just said it was by better. Who's the better team on the field? Who is the better team on the field? You, so they change it for every different team. Every team, they change it. But, but again, the, they, did, they protected their interests by putting LSU there. And that, that's exactly what I felt when I saw it. I said that, that's the only reason you can put LSU above an undefeated Notre Dame team. It, otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. No. But all right, all right, Lou. I got, I got to get, I got to get to, I got to get to my show here. All right. But um, thanks for calling in and uh, let everybody know where they can find you this weekend. Sure, you can find me on. Um... Uh, Facebook, I also have an email address, lutenor45 uh, at gmail.com. That's lutenor45gmail.com, uh, but capitalize the G in Gmail. And, of course, my Saturday night show, The Enhanced Sports Show, uh, 6 to 8 Eastern Time. Call 605-562-4444. The pin number is 2612-556. Then press one and pound. If not a member, then just press one and pound. All right. All right. Thanks. All right. Good to know. All right. We'll talk to you next week, Lil. All right. So there's Luke from Jersey kicking off our show. We were going to kick off with the World Series anyway, so why not? Why not kick it off with a caller? And we got to touch on a bunch of different topics. Um, let me talk about a, a topic about the World Series that I got into um, with a couple of Red Sox fans um, 
And it, it, it just struck me as odd because the Red Sox win the World Series. We talked about it. The Red Sox were the better team. You know, they were supposed to be celebrated. Whatever. Why, why, why not? You know, you won the World Series. You're clearly the best team in baseball. We all know it. Everybody who's been paying attention knows it. So I was flipping back and forth between the Sox game and the um, and the Saints um, the Saints Vikings game that was on Sunday Night Football. So I was flipping back and forth, and I flip over to I flip over to the Saints game because they went they went to commercial, and I wanted to see the trophy presentation and whatever. So. I was like, all right, watching the football game. They go to commercial, so I'm like, all right, I'll flip back. I flip back, and clearly an audible, uh, you know, as clear as day, as I flip over back over, all you hear is Red Sox fans saying, chanting, Yankees suck, Yankees suck, Yankees suck. And I'm sitting there thinking, Am I, 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 at first, I had to look at myself. At first, I had to, like, do a double take. Like, is that really coming through the TV? Like, what, what is going on here? Why are these guys chanting? Why are they chanting about the Yankees? You know, and I thought to myself, I, I had to question it. I had to post it on Facebook. I had to ask people, are they really doing, are they really chanting this? I mean, what is the pot like like and 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 to me I people and then I, I said I said this it, it's kind of a it, it's it's a move that that it just it just what I thought at the time was you just won the World Series and you're focused on what Yank what the Yankees think about you or how you're focused on how you feel about the Yankees that tells me, as somebody who has no, no connection to either team, that tells me that you're still looking for approval between the Yankees and the Red Sox. You're still trying to say, all right, we won the World Series, but we still don't match up to you guys, so we have to tell you that you guys – we have to tell you – we have to tell the Yankees that they suck while we celebrate our, our, our championship. And – to me, just celebrate your championship. Celebrating your championship tells the world, hey, we're better than you. It tells us we're better than every other team, than, including the Yankees. Um, so, you know, I got into it with, with a little – with a couple of fans out there. Um, you know, all people can celebrate any way they want. And – that's and, and like I said, that's fine. But how it comes across is not when you sell when you celebrate that way, when you when you do things like that, when you put the focus on another team after you won that that's what it does. When you're mentioning another team, you put the focus on that team. You just won the championship. Keep the focus on you. And as a fan. As a fan, that's what you want people to look at. You don't want people going. You don't want people going. Yan- the Yankees suck. Well, let's check out the. Yan-. You know. You don't want people thinking. 
Do the Yankees suck? But, you know, do we want to find that out? Right? You don't want people to even think about the Yankees. You want people to think about how good the Red Sox were. You want people to, you know, think about what this, about the series that you just had, about guys who pitched, Evaldi, um, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr., um, Mookie Betts. You want them to be focused on those guys, not focused on a team that wasn't even involved. So that's my, that's my reasoning. That's my feeling for saying, saying to those guys, don't do that. You don't need – I mean – for all intents and purposes, they can do it. More than I, you know, I had somebody come at me and say, I had somebody come at me and say, and say, oh, they're fans. They can do whatever they want. Absolutely, they can do whatever they want. I have no problem with them. All I was trying to convey is, if you're a person that feels you need to slander another team while celebrating your team, it takes away from the celebration of your team. And when you're a when you're the champion, why would you want to do that? Just keep the focus on your team. Um, so, anywho, I, I think that that's enough about I, I think that's enough about the World Series. I mean, I I, I can't tell you how great that that 18 inning game was. It was fantastic. I loved it. All right. Now let's get into the bread and butter of this show. If you've been listening to the show from the start, you know we started off as the fifth down college football show. So what we do is college football. College football is my favorite thing to cover. And, you know, and the college football playoff is interesting to cover because the committee cannot make – and I, I mentioned this with Lou um, on the phone. The committee cannot make up its mind. They can't. They just can't figure out what they need to do. We did not learn anything from this because I listened – I watched that entire show, and I listened to the head of the committee try to explain what they were doing. And he came out, and he, and he said these words. I know I heard them because I heard them clearly. Well, Alabama's just clearly, uh, clearly ahead of everybody else on the field right now when Reese Davis asked about their week's schedule. He said, but the way that they've played on the field. So you're thinking, all right, if they're the number one team, then your focus has to be, all right, on the field. Then that's where your focus is. So then they get down to, and as I was explaining, look, they get down to LSU and Notre Dame, and they ask the same question. Why a one-loss LSU over Notre Dame? Well, we think the resume of LSU outshines Notre Dame's resume. See, but you didn't mention the teams on the field. What are the teams on the field? Are they that close? Do you feel that LSU and Notre Dame are that close? Are, are, are close? 
because I don't. I don't have that feeling. I would put – I love the way Ian Book has played at quarterback. If Brandon Wimbush was still at quarterback, I would say, you know, Notre Dame, I would, I would say it's a, it's a close – it's a close race. Ian Book leading that offense, I would put the defenses up there as a wash. I think Notre Dame's defense and LSU's defense are both shutdown defenses. So that's a wash. So to me, it comes down to offense. And whose offense do I trust more? Do I trust Brian Kelly or do I trust Ed Ogeron's offense? I trust Brian Kelly's offense more than I trust the LSU offense. And, and, and that's where it comes down. That's where we split hairs. Okay? Then you go down to the next level of teams. All right. So you, you said it was about play on the field, and you said it was about resume. So then where does um, – so how, does, how is Michigan ahead of Georgia? Somebody needs to explain that one. Somebody needs to explain how Michigan's five and Georgia's six if you're going by those standards because Georgia's loss was to LSU, who is above Notre Dame – Michigan's losses to Notre Dame was behind LSU. So you could sit there and make the argument. And then you look at Michigan's best win. Michigan's best win is against Wisconsin. They're not on the list of, of, of teams. Georgia just beat Florida. They're on, they're on the list. They've beaten two teams that are already on the list. Plus, they've got a big game against Kentucky coming up. So you could easily make that argument. And then you look at the, the teams on the field. Again, I would say, um, I'd, say off, I'd say defensively, the, those two teams are, are very close. The fact, that they, the fact that the Michigan defense is playing as well as they are without Rashawn Gary is um, – one of the things that I would look at and say, all right, they're going to get better if Rashawn Gary comes back and is at any kind of um, any kind of his normal self. However, on offense, Michigan is still. We have not seen them get shut down in, in this winning streak. We have not seen them get shut down in the running game and Shea Patterson beat them with, with, with the passing game. We have not seen that. So I'm not going to put them as some star-studded offense and Shea Patterson is the greatest thing. I have not seen him win a game by himself yet. So I'm not going to put him. I know what Jake Fromm is. I know what Jake Fromm can do, and I know that Georgia has two stud running backs in DeAndre Swift and in – uh, Evander Holyfield's kid. Okay? In Swift and Holyfield, I know Georgia's going to be able to run the football against... I know Georgia's going to be able to run the football against almost anybody. Um, I know that if they can't run the ball, I trust Jake I trust Jake Fromm more than I trust Shea Patterson. So I have a difference of opinion there. I would put Georgia at five. Then you got 
Michigan at six. Number seven was Oklahoma. I, 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 again, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think, I think Oklahoma is the most. Um, if you had to ask me which team has the best chance to move in from the outside, I think it's Oklahoma. And we can get into this all we want. And we're going to get into it when we do best and worst of the week because what happens in these next couple weeks is going to shape the college football playoff immensely. Right now, you have a three-loss team leading the big, uh, the big Ten, the Big Ten West is being led by a three-loss team. They could possibly be a four-loss team and still be leading the Big Ten West. They could enter the Big Ten West. They could enter the Big Ten Championship as a four-loss team going, going against Michigan or, uh, or Ohio State. That's not going to bode well for Michigan and Ohio State at the end of the season, when you look at who they play in their championship game and who Oklahoma plays, because Oklahoma will probably end up playing a two- or three-loss team that is probably higher ranked than any than anything that Northwestern can do. You know, if a team like Purdue gets in, if a team like Iowa gets in, you know, Iowa it, right now. If you're a Big Ten fan, if you're a if you're a Big Ten, if you're rooting just for the Big Ten, obviously, if you're Purdue, Wisconsin, and Northwestern, you're not going to be rooting for the Iowa Hawkeyes. But if you're a Big Ten guy, you want to see the Big Ten get into the playoff. You need Iowa to beat Purdue this weekend. You need them to beat Northwestern when they play head-to-head. And you need, North, you need Iowa in that game. Iowa right now is ranked 19th, you know, ranked 19th in the country. They can get themselves probably up to – they can probably work themselves up to a top 15 team at some point if they keep winning and other teams fall off. So – that's probably your best bet. That's probably your best team that you want to face in in the championship game. If you're Ohio State or Michigan and you want a playoff shot, you want to be facing the best team in that situation. That gives you the best bump, and that's probably Iowa, unless Iowa stumbles somewhere along the line here. Unless they stumble against Purdue. Unless they lose to Northwestern, then Northwestern has the upper hand. But it's gonna come down to it's gonna come down to that championship weekend. And it's gonna be an interesting case because we need to see how things are gonna play out. But I think they have protected. I was telling I was telling Lil. I think that I think that uh, the committee has 
protected Alabama in case of a disaster this week. They know Alabama, Alabama cannot suffer against anybody. They know this is the hardest test for Alabama. Going into Death Valley, um, you know, and right now, if they come out, if LSU somehow pulls off of this victory, at least Alabama is protected. At least it gives the committee cover to say, hey, Alabama only lost to LSU. We're going to flip them. We're going to flip them, and we're going to put Alabama at number you – know, we'll keep Alabama at number three. We'll just swap them out. That's the, that's the protection that, they, that, Alabama, that the committee has given to the Alabama Crimson Tide. So we'll see if it works out. Because it really doesn't matter. I mean, if LSU loses, they're going to drop like a stone because of that second loss. And we'll see where we go from there. Um, All right. So let's dive into the week that was in college football. Uh, it all started. It all started on Friday night with Utah and UCLA. Utah got got on top early. They did not let down, and UCLA eventually had to go away. Mm-hmm. All right, so. That's the that's the Utah UCLA. The reason that's a big game is Utah kept its kept kept its way um, kept its spot in the Pac-12 South. Um, Utah basically has everything in front of them. They they control their own destiny. If they win out, they're going to the Pac-12 title game, and who knows what's going to happen. In that one. So, I thought I thought that was a big win for Utah to stay at that spot. Let's look at some of the other big games. Some of the other big wins. You can look at a big win. I, a lot of people are not talking about this. But a lot of people are not talking about Houston beating South Florida. Now, to a lot of people, that that that's something they don't want. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear about the lesser teams. They don't want to hear how important this is. I have a little. I, I put a little trivia question out. Nobody seemed to be able to answer it. And here's here's the funny thing. I'll put the I'll put the question out there and, and see if you can answer it while you're sitting while you're sitting there. I'll answer it at the end of the show. But for those, so if you if you can answer the question, by all means, call in the show. I'll figure 
I'll figure out how to get how to get you something if you can get the answer right. But here's all right. And for those of you that are listening on podcasts, when you hear the question, just try to answer it in your head. Try to figure it out. See what you can see if you can figure it out before I get to the end of the show. And here's the question. The question is, there are only two conferences in all of college football, in all Division I, uh, in all FBS level. There are only two conferences that can finish the season with a championship game where both teams are ranked in the top 15 and have and only have have and have zero or one loss each there's only two conferences that can pull this off one of them is easy you'll be able to figure that out the other one is is one that you 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 have to do a little bit of research to figure it out it's it it's it's a little bit it's a little bit of of a rat race, but it, it explains something about the game I'm talking about here. Houston and South Florida, you know, Houston gave South Florida its first loss. Houston has moved up moved up the rankings, so I I, I thought that that was a and it was an entertaining game. It was fifty seven to thirty six. Oh, we got a caller. Let's see if they can answer the question. Welcome to welcome to Fit Down Sports Show. What's going on, buddy? Hey, take a fat shit on my cock. Okay. Um, no problem. Hey, welcome to Fit Down Sports Show. Yeah, I got a big cock. You might be interested in sucking. Uh, no, I wouldn't actually. Um. I I I don't swing that way, but uh, you can bring you can bring your uh, you can bring your dingus around to uh, anybody else. So no need no need to call this show because I don't really care. But anyway, back to back to what we were talking about. All right, so we're talking about South Florida. That was a huge game. We talked about Georgia before. Georgia had a big win. Um, Really, what this was, it wasn't a big win for Georgia. I, I, it was a big win. I count this more as a big loss to Florida because it pretty much ends Florida season. Florida really has no shot at getting back into the college football playoff or in the SEC East. It's now a race between Georgia and Kentucky, so that was a big one. Um, that was a big one. Another big win. Out in the Pac-12, Washington State over Stanford. And we saw this in the college football playoff rankings where they believe a lot in Washington State now. And Washington State taking care of business against Oregon and Stanford, huge for them because now they have the inside track. They not only got those, but they got Oregon losing to Arizona. 
They got Washington losing to, uh, to Cal. So Washington State had probably the biggest win of the weekend because not only did they win in their biggest game, but they also had other teams lose. And the other teams that lost, um, you know, the teams that lost for them are, are a big help because now they pretty, Washington State not only just controls its own destiny, but they also have a leg up where if they do stumble along the way, they're still saved by having that, that final game. So it'll be interesting. All right, let's see what we got here. Hey, welcome to College Football. Welcome to Fifth Down Sports Show. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, I got a prediction on that question. Is it the uh, Cleveland Steamers or the Boise Bukaki? Um, No, those aren't teams, so I, I don't know what you're talking about. So thanks. Thanks for calling in. Um, anyway, um, but I do commend I do commend you on the call. At least you're listening to the show. So um, at least you're listening to the show enough to call in and make a prank call. So that that's what that's what we have going for us right now. Um, but you know, we we don't really have time for this. We're we're still working on this. The other another big game. Um, the other big game, and this is why my biggest winner of the week, my biggest winner of the week was Northwestern. We talked about Northwestern before. Northwestern got huge wins by getting a huge game against Wisconsin. They held Jonathan Taylor under 100 yards. They were able to hold that rushing attack. They were able to keep that rushing attack at bay. And with Alex Hornibrook out with injury, they, you know, they put all the pressure on that young quarterback, and he couldn't handle it. Northwestern, um, so Northwestern wins. They also get a Purdue loss to Michigan State, which I told you would happen on this show. Um, they also got. They also got Iowa losing at Penn State, and that gave Northwestern, that gives Northwestern a cushion in the Big 12 because Northwestern has, obviously, they beat Wisconsin. They beat Purdue to open the season, so they have the head-to-head matchups with those two teams. If they beat, no matter what happens to Northwestern this weekend at Notre Dame, the bigger question for Northwestern is what are they going to do with Iowa next week? And they get Iowa coming. You know, Iowa's going to be on the road again. I believe that game is on the road. Um, if, I, if, if I'm wrong, Snowman will correct me. No, I think that game is in Iowa. I, uh, I was talking about it with Snowman, so let me check it out because I know I can. I was talking with the Snowman earlier who's a big Wildcat um supporter and I was talking to him about the game. So let me just see if I can bring it up. I believe it's at I believe it's at Iowa, which we've talked about for and I'm looking at the wrong post. So let's see what we got here. And I'm not going to waste my time figuring out. I think the game is at Iowa. We know that it's tough. Um, 
we know that we know that Iowa's a tough place to play, but that's the important thing for Wisconsin right now to focus on is that Iowa game because if they beat Iowa, they clinch, they would clinch a spot in the Big Ten Conference. And for those of you that are listening on Arena Sports, we know um, Snowman in the Morning on, on Arena Sports, when I went on in the preseason, we talked about Northwestern and their path to Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game. So this would be another knock another notch on our belt where we talked about when we talked something into existence at the beginning of the season. Um, which we are um, fond of doing. We it happens all the time around here where we and I'm just looking for the post to see what's going on. Red Sox fans, blah blah blah. It's magic. No one cares. Giants. We already talked about. Here we go. Yes, the game is yes, and I, I just I wanted to make sure I was correct. The game next week. Next week, the game for Northwestern is at Iowa. So. What I'm saying is this game they have this weekend against Notre Dame, you, obviously you're never going to a game saying, well, we don't want to win. They want to win, but they do not want to fire all their bullets. They don't want to compromise what they can do next week. Because this game this weekend really means nothing to Northwestern other than being able to say, we beat Notre Dame and we knocked Notre Dame out of the playoffs. And by all means, as a competitor, you always go into the game thinking that. You always go into the game thinking we're going to win and we're going to do our best to win. But if they get into a situation where, you know, a, a, a guy gets hurt or, you know, a guy like Clayton Thorson has an issue where it's like, all right, do we risk him going back out there and getting seriously hurt and missing next week or sitting him this week, you know, or, or sitting or, or sitting him for the rest of this game so he does not injure himself and we're, re- we're ready at full strength next week? That's the most important part of – that's the most important thing for Northwestern is be ready to go next week against Iowa because that game matters more then if you sell out to beat Notre Dame, but you lose key players in this game, but you lose a key player in the process, then if you lose a key player against Notre Dame and they can't play next week, or they, you know, if you lose a guy to a targeting penalty in, in, late, late in that game, in the second half, you know the guy's going to miss the first half of the game, Next week. Next week is more important than this week against Notre Dame. So, but Northwestern had the biggest win this week. They are my biggest winners this week. Um, now on to my biggest losers. And, you know, we... Oh, no car. Hey, Fit Down Sports Show, what's going on? 
<laughs> Excuse me. You got any cures for chronic diarrhea? Because I'm blown out on the toilet. Um, I am not a medical profession. I'm not a medical professional, so I cannot help you with that. Um, I have not had any battles with that in my in my day, so I can't speak from experience. So, um, I would I would say call a a trained medical professional uh, if that's a problem that you have. I know there there's pills that you could take, and you know there's some things that you could eat that that will help you with that, but. Um, you know, that's not my area of expertise, so I can't help you. I wish I could, but I can't. All right. Anyway, my biggest losers. Biggest losers of the week. We got to start. We got to start. I, I, I told you about Florida. You know, I, that that was a, a big loss because it ended their season. Um. Texas losing at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, 38-35. This game got close late because Oklahoma State just decided to let Texas back in. They were blowing Texas away in the first half. And for all the people that were jumping on the Texas bandwagon last week, oh, my God, Texas, this Texas defense, this Texas defense is amazing. Oklahoma State showed you they are a Big 12 defense. They got shredded all over the field. Um, you know, that's the one reason I was never on Texas. I always had Texas lower than a lot of other people did in the rankings. I, I did not believe in that defense. I don't believe in Big 12 defenses. It's the same reason I don't believe in Oklahoma. I don't believe Oklahoma. If you were to tell me Oklahoma – is on the field and needs a stop to win the game. My theory on on Oklahoma is if they need to stop somebody to win the game, they should just let them score and put Kyler Murray, let Kyler Murray get the ball and try to and, and, and try. Let, let Kyler Murray get the ball back and hope hope that he's in a position where he can score to win the game. Because that defense, the Big 12 defenses aren't going to stop these power offenses from other conferences. That's just my feeling about the Big 12. It's it's been there. We've said it all. We've said it from the first. I think the first segment we did on this show was Big 12, where defense is optional, and Texas showed that. Their defense did not show up in that first half, and Oklahoma State took it to them. All right, let's go to let's go to a phone caller here. Hey, what's going on? Fifth Down Sports Show. Is it possible to have a talk that's too long? Please stop. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know where you like to stick yours. Um. I, I keep mine to myself. I don't announce it on the radio. So um, I can't help you with that. I'm sure there are other programs that, that can, that have professionals that deal with that. If I were you, that's where I would turn. All right. Uh, all right. Anyway, my biggest loser of the weekend, and I say weekend because it was a – 
It was a Friday night. A Friday night. It was a Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday disaster in the ACC. Miami losing to Boston College. Virginia Tech getting absolutely embarrassed by the option. Georgia Tech beat Virginia Tech on Thursday night. And I don't think a lot of people paid attention to this football game. I did because I was flipping back and forth between the NFL game and the Virginia Tech game. Virginia Tech won a game. Their quarterback finished 0-for-1 passing. You heard me right. They attempted one pass all game. And And Virginia Tech could not stop Georgia Tech. You knew they were running option. You knew they were going to run the ball every play. Could not stop Georgia Tech. Why are these big losses? It was a bigger loss for Miami because Miami has already lost to Virginia. Um, Virginia is now in the driver's seat in the ACC Coastal Division. Um, Pittsburgh is now it, – it's funny. We're going to talk about that game. I, I didn't even think about this. When I was looking at my list of games, I saw the Pitt-Virginia uh, game, and I was like, eh, all right, it might be a good game. might be, might be something I want to look at. I looked at the other games. I went down. I picked a, a whole bunch of other games. Then I went back and looked at the schedule, and I said, wait a minute. This is a game that could decide if Pittsburgh wins, Pittsburgh is in the driver's seat in in the Coastal. Pitt could end up being in the college football playoff. They could be in the ACC championship game if they beat Virginia and they win out and, and a whole mess of things happen. You know, they don't need a, a whole mess. They just need to do what – if Pitt wins out, they win the Coastal, which is crazy to me. And we'll get into that more in a second. Let me just deal with this. Let me deal with this caller here. Hey, what's going on, Fifth Down Sports Show? You keep it to yourself. Does that mean your dick ain't never been wet, boy? Um, no, I, I, I keep, I keep myself. I keep my personal life, my personal life. I don't need to broadcast it to anybody. Um, what you do with yours and where you put yours, that that's your business. I don't care about it. I don't want to hear I don't want to hear what you do with yours. I, I and I'm not worried about it. So it's something I, I just don't care about. So but I'm glad you're listening to the show because I, that shows that shows that you're listening. So I'm glad we got we got some people out there listening to the show. Um all right, anyway. Let's talk about Pitt. Here's the funny thing about Pitt. I am becoming a huge Pitt fan right now because if if Pitt is able to win and go to the Coastal, just think about what that does for little old UCF, who people say, UCF doesn't play anybody. They didn't play anybody out of conference. They played Pitt. Oh, Pitt's a terrible team. They would play a team challenging for the ACC title. And not only did they play them, UCF beat them by almost 40 points. 
So it would give a big credence to those people that said, well, they haven't beaten anybody. Oh, yeah? Well, there you go. So it, it op- the, the door is open for Pitt. I'm hoping for that. I'm also hoping for them as a Notre Dame fan. You know, Pittsburgh played Notre Dame tough, and Notre Dame was able to get the win. So, again, that helps Notre Dame's, um, that helps Notre Dame's resume, which – Notre Dame doesn't need any help with their resume. They're Notre Dame. If they go undefeated, they're in. Um, and that that's just the way things are. So my biggest loser of the week is the ACC Coastal Division. Um, we saw a lot of those. All right, here we go. Let's go with this. Hey, what's going on? Sit down, sports show. When's the last time you had an orgasm? Again, it doesn't make a difference. I'm not going to talk about it on the radio, so there's no reason to even bring it up. Because, A, nobody out there cares. Nobody out there cares. And, B, I don't don't want you to know. I really don't care what you think um, about my personal life. It, It makes no difference. All right. So we talked about last week. Let's talk about... Let's finish up talking about last week at or the week that was in sports, and let's talk about, um, actually, I- I'm going to stick with college football for a second uh, because I did get a message about this earlier, so I want to address it. Um, the breaking news tonight was that Coach DJ Durkin, uh, we talked about this whole Maryland mess with the death of a player and uh, the strength coach getting fired and all of that. Um, DJ Durkin on on release and uh, on on paid uh, on paid leave. His the the report was finally came out and the board of regents read that report. And an entire board of people said, hey, you know what? This guy, DJ Durkin, well, even though he was responsible for this, um, we'll bring him back to the team. They, I, when they first announced it, I was like, what is going on? What, how did you get that from this report? Like, what were you thinking? And... I was prepared to just say I don't care because you know if, if that's what if that's what uh, if that's what people at Maryland want to want to believe and that's what people that's what they want to do at, at the University of Maryland that's fine with me like you know that you do you I on the other hand I, I on the other hand read that report and said there's no way this guy can come back on the sideline. There's no way. And I watched a lot of people react to this story on ESPN and talk down to the Maryland people and the Maryland fan base and the Maryland this and, you know, oh, we need to have an uprising and everybody and the students are are going crazy and uh, planning protests and whatever. And... Finally, they came to their senses, and the president said, DJ Durkin, you're fired. Now, I don't know what the um, – the, the reason why I say I'm going to hold off on this, I don't know what the um, 
what the legal ramifications are regarding whether or not, you know, whether or not DJ Durkin was fired. You know, how DJ Durkin, how DJ Durkin was fired. And there could be a reasonable explanation for this. Um, the Maryland board may have set what they and what they may what, what may have occurred, and th- this is just an overview of what what may have happened. Is they may have said if we fire him while he's on paid leave, we have to pay him. So let's bring him back, reinstate him. And it might have been, it might have been, there might be some kind of legal, I don't know if there's some kind of legal ramification there. Or maybe they bring him back, they say, all right, 24 hours after we reinstate him, if we fire him, we can fire him with cause. But if he's on paid leave, we cannot, we, we can't do it. That, that might be a clause in a contract. I don't know. It's the only thing that really makes, makes sense to me as to why you would bring him back and then a day later say, you're fired. Um, you know, other than it just sounds like you have no idea, you know, other, other than that, you either have A, no grip on your, on your university or your fan base or anything. The Regencies either, either didn't know how their fans would react or care how, or, or, they didn't, or they just didn't care. And they were like, you know what? We don't care what you guys are going to do. We're going to reinstate them no matter what. That is a problem. Okay? That's a problem. Or they said, you know what? No one, the students won't really care. We'll bring, we'll bring him back and we'll see how it goes. And then they caved to pressure. So now you're showing that you can make a decision. And your decision was not made on principles or reality. It was made on, well, maybe we can sneak this by. And your fan base said, no, we're going to pressure you into doing this. And you caved into that pressure. So either one of those situations makes you look terrible. That's why I'm saying maybe there was something, some language in the contract that said, if he's fired while on paid leave, he gets the paid he gets he gets paid out you know he gets paid out on his contract. However, if you bring him back, reinstate him, and then fire him with cause, you don't have to pay him. That's the only thing that makes sense to me as far as firing, as far as the DJ Durkin situation, as far as should he have been fired? Should he have been re- he should have been fired the minute this thing came out. He should have resigned the minute this came out back. Back before the season started, he should have said, you know what, it's investigation. Let's have the investigation, but I'm going to step away from the program. I'm going to move on and, and do other things. I don't care what the what, – I don't care if it says I didn't do anything wrong. I'm going to harm this university. I'm going to harm my career. So do your investigation. I'm going to resign, and I'm going to move past this and learn from this. That's not what he did. So this whole situation, DJ Durkin looks bad, the university looks bad, and they didn't do it the right way. Unless something comes out that says there was language, like I said, in the contract, then you can understand. All right, they wanted to do this and get him get his pay off the books. That they 
that's the only thing that makes sense to me. All right, let's let's take a phone caller here. And all right, um, hey, sit down, sports show. What's going on? Next time you jerk off, try sticking your finger up your ass. It feels really good. Or having someone lift. Okay, uh, n- not not something I care about. Um, and how how you do? Again, you do you. Um, you don't need to press that on other people. Other people can do whatever they want. They can have as much. They can do whatever they want. You do you. You don't need to spread that on on this program. That's not what we're here for. So um, there are plenty other programs on Blog Talk Radio. There are plenty of programs on this network um, that will deal with that. Will deal with that topic, and you'll be able to voice your opinion. That this is not the place for that. So all right. So we got the Maryland situation under control here. Um, you know. I, I was talking to somebody and and I was talking to a buddy of mine right before I came on the air and they were trying to tell, you know they they told me they told me about it they said, they said hey did you hear Maryland fired their coach and I I flipped I I had the the flippant response of yeah I heard that I don't really care I just told you why I don't really care I don't know the details of why they fired him now why they reinstated him I don't know why they fired him I don't know. I, it, we, we can speculate why they did the, did it the way they did. We know that they did something wrong. Something went, went awry. But, you know, the, the, thing, the thing about me is it's taken care of. Matt Canada has led that team to where if they win this weekend, they're in a bolt. They are bolt eligible. So that should be celebrated at Maryland, and the way they, they've dealt with this tragedy and they've rallied around it, that's something that they can celebrate. Um, and we've talked about hiring and, and we've talked about firing coaches. We've talked about hiring coaches. Um, we, we talk about hiring all the time. Um, we, talk, we, we predict things. We, we have predicted correctly the hiring of coaches on this show. We've predicted firings of coaches on this show. Um, and I would not be surprised if Matt Canada, if he leads them to a bowl game, if he is given that job um, down the line as the head coach and, um, you know, given a, a full real-time contract instead of just the interim coach, I think he'll, he'll be hired as the regular coach. If he leads them to a bowl, a bowl appearance, I, I think that – that will be the way that they go. Speaking of firing coaches, let's go to the NFL, where Cleveland has finally gotten rid of Hugh Jackson. Uh, this didn't take rocket science. The interesting part of firing Hugh Jackson is if you look up the last six coaches, six, the last six Cleveland Brown coaches, their last game was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the Browns lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. When the, when the Browns lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers, that means the coach's job is in jeopardy. Um, just so we know moving forward. I think um, as far as Cleveland goes, you have Baker Mayfield. The, what makes the most sense is going after Lincoln Riley. And I'm not the first person to say this. I said it the minute they fired Hugh Jackson, 
that was my thought was they're going to go out and make a play for Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley has come out and said, I'm not thinking about the NFL, and there's no reason for him to be thinking about the NFL at this point because nothing would change. They wouldn't, they wouldn't put him in in the middle of the season. They wouldn't pull him straight from Oklahoma and be like, here you go, you're on the sidelines, go ahead. They would let him finish the year out and then move on. And, of course, he's not thinking about it yet. When he sees the check and the amount of zeros at the end of it that Cleveland is going to is going to want to give him, that might change his mind. Um, the other thing, the other avenue to go, we've heard a lot about Urban Meyer this year, about Urban Meyer, um, his health issues. Um, you know, he's talked a lot this week about migraines and, you know, a, a, a brain cyst that he has that causes migraines. There's been a lot of talk that maybe this is his last year at Ohio State that he might uh, pull, you know, he might cut the cord there. They might cut the cord with him. However, maybe since he's in, already in the state of Ohio, maybe they, the NFL comes to call. Maybe Cleveland goes to Urban Meyer and says, hey, come fix our program. Get us in the right direction. There is another guy. There is another Ohio name that could be on the radar. And, and this is an off this is an off beaten path. Nobody's brought this name. I haven't heard this name brought up yet. But it might be some it's something to look out for. I'm not calling it yet. But I'm saying if those those are my first two options. If there's another if those options are off the board. Maybe we go outside of the norm, outside of the idea. There's a guy who's not coaching right now who used to coach at Ohio State. The state of Ohio still loves him, and that is Jim Trussell. Jim Trussell, when he left Ohio State, he went and became a quarterback's coach at uh, Indianapolis. He has some NFL pedigree. He has some NFL experience. That's a name you might see. You know, you're hearing all of these crazy names like somebody somebody on one of the shows said, maybe Sean McVay will go. Why would Sean McVay leave L.A. to go to Cleveland? You leave Cleveland to go to L.A. That's what LeBron did. He left Cleveland to go to L.A. You don't leave L.A. to go to Cleveland. It, it, that, that's not how it works. Okay. Um, you don't go from 7-0 and to a team that finally won its first two games in two years. It, you don't do that. Sean McVay is not leaving that job. Um, and the Rams aren't going to let him leave. I mean, if, 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 if a contract was made to him, they would say, stay here, we'll match it. There's no reason why they would ever get rid of him. However, Jim Trestle... His his card is wide open. You could bring him in. Um, again, I, I think I think the state of Ohio would welcome him in for what he brought to uh, Ohio State. So he is he is an um, you know he is an Ohio guy. I believe he's from Youngstown. Um, so 
It fits. It makes it makes sense to me. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. We got 30 minutes left in the show. You know what we like to do in these last 30 minutes? We like to make predictions. We like to make predictions. So on all the college football. So we'll be doing that against. You know we like to do it against the spread. Last week was a pretty good week for us. Um, we started out well. I, I want to say we started out well. We started out four out of five. You know, we started out five out of six, and we were looking good going into the night games. Ended up getting housed in 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 the end. In the end, we finished five and five again. I, I anytime I finish uh, five hundred against the spread. I'm happy with it, so um, I'm okay. And let's move, let's go. As Warren Wolf used to say, and I like to reference it every time, let's go to the videotape. Here we go. Let me just check, make sure. Yep, we're good. All right. All right, here we go. First one is tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, we're looking at tomorrow night. Big game, especially for the college football playoffs, for us, for people on my side, people people that are, are backing UCF, people that want to see UCF challenge the big guys, want to, want to challenge the system. This is a big game. It's a big game for those of you that want to continue to hammer UCF. We still don't know what the uh, – um, the availability is on um, Mackenzie Milton. The last game we saw, his ankle was not good enough to go. It was a game-time decision, and they pulled him. Uh, they let him warm up, and they didn't like the warm-up, so they benched him um, due to injury. Will that be the case this week? We'll find out. Will Mackenzie Milton play? I think that benching, um, not being able to play due to injury, uh, probably killed any chance he has at winning at winning the Heisman. Um, you know, I, he needed to play in every game in order to do that. But I think he will light up. Uh, I think he'll light up Temple. Um, I think, I think T- Temple is it. This is a good opponent for UCF. This is a a, a Temple team, and I just want to make sure I get the record straight. This is this is a big game for you know Temple's four zero in the conference. UCF obviously undefeated. Um, you know, this is a, a de facto championship. You know a de facto elimination game. UCF can eliminate Temple if they can get if they can pull this win out. So um, it's it. It has it has implications beyond just UCF. It could affect the entire conference. But I'm going to go with UCF. I'm going to assume after two weeks that Mackenzie Milton's okay. I'm going to take Mackenzie Milton and UCF. I'm going to take them 38. I'm going to I'm going to take them 38 to 21. And UCF is 10 and a half points, so I got them winning and covering. Um, winning and covering the spread. So that's UCF. All right. Before I get into the other ones, let's go Friday night. So that's Thursday night. Friday night, 
We got Pittsburgh at Virginia. Again, I'm going to be rooting for Pittsburgh. But from what I've seen of Pittsburgh, I, I really don't know what team is going to show up. I'm hoping that team that played uh, Notre Dame shows up. Um, because that team will be tough to beat. But I'm, I'm going to take Virginia in this one, 24-21. They are, uh, Pittsburgh is seven-and-a-half-point dogs, so I'm going to take Pittsburgh to cover, but Virginia to win. All right, so that's a little extra game on, a, on our – that's a little extra game. No, it do, doesn't really count because it's not on my list here, but um, I do have the other game. Boston College at Virginia Tech. Boston College coming off a big emotional game against Miami. Now they play Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is a different offensive team without Josh Jackson. We know Josh Jackson is not coming back. He's not going to be – so this Virginia Tech offense is not going to be where it is. The difference in this game is the fact that – Boston College runs a traditional uh, – they run a traditional fat, – a fast-paced traditional. I really like watching this Boston College team. When they have Austin Dillon and they can get him off, that's, that's a – when they can just let him run wild, that's a good sign for them. And I'm just looking at the game. It, Virginia Tech is a two-point dog. But I'm going to take Virginia Tech in this one, and I'm going to take – I'm going to take Virginia Tech. I think it's going to be, be high scoring. I think it's going to be thir- – I'm going to take them 34-31 by uh, a field goal over Boston College. So I'm going to take Virginia Tech, the home underdogs, to upset Boston College. All right, let's go on. Let's move on to the big game in the Big Ten this week. Uh, a big game in the Big Ten, not the, there's a couple of them, but a big game, but this is a game that will help decide the Big Ten, um, and that's Iowa at Purdue. Iowa is a different team on the road. They They are the higher ranked team, but the underdog going in, um, we know what happened the last time a ranked team went into West Lafayette. If you remember what happened, if you don't remember, Ohio State went in there and Purdue did what Purdue does. Um, I don't think Iowa is going to make the mistake of throwing the ball 70 times against Purdue. Um, That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen to Iowa. Iowa doesn't make those kind of mistakes. I know my buddy Mike, he's a, a Purdue guy. He loves pushing Purdue. Purdue needs this game. But you know this show, we end, and we, we say on this show, unapologetically, we say, go Iowa. And we have, since the, since the first ever show, first ever show that we had, we have been in, in the, the corner of the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm going to take the Hawkeyes to win this one. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's close. I'm gonna say 27-24, Iowa over Purdue. All right, moving on. 
Let's go. Let's go into the SEC. Georgia at Kentucky. Huge implications in this one. The winner is basically in uh, as the SEC East champion, awaiting the Bama LSU winner. So we could have the SEC matchup all locked up this weekend. This is just the first of of the two big games in the SEC. Uh, let me see what Kentucky is. Kentucky is a nine and a half point dog at home. I think that's about right. I think that's about right. I'm going to take Georgia 38. I'm going to take Georgia 38, Clemson 20. Uh, not Clemson, Kentucky. Kentucky 20. Take Georgia 38-20 over Kentucky. That would give Georgia a, a, a win and a cover. West Virginia at Texas. Big game. Can Texas get back in the running to possibly get back to um, get back into a rematch with Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game? Everything's in front of these teams. Whoever loses this game is, is going to be is going to be basically out of it. If Texas wins. They don't have to face Oklahoma again, so they they have they would have everything they would have everything set and ready to go. West Virginia plays Oklahoma at the end of the season, so this is a much bigger game for West Virginia. It's at Texas, so let's see here. Texas is a two is a one and a half point favorite at home. And even though I I have said I don't like the Texas defense, you know, West Virginia, uh, what they did to Baylor, what they did to Baylor last weekend was an absolute drubbing. They absolutely blew the doors off um, Baylor. I watched Texas play Baylor and struggle. So I'm going to go with West Virginia in this one, and I'm going to go with West Virginia... I'll do it. West Virginia 41, Texas 38. I do think Texas, I do think both these teams give up a lot of yards, so there we go. All right, Penn State at Michigan. Every game from this point on is a big game for Michigan, but this is going to be their toughest test to date. Trace McSorley. See, that defense can get after it. We know uh, Chase Wimbush and all, all that Michigan can do on defense to pressure the quarterback. However, Penn State has a quarterback that can escape pressure. He can use that pressure against you. Uh, the question is, can Penn State do it, do enough to stop can they stop Michigan? I'm going to believe I'm going to believe that they can. I'm going to go 23-21 Penn State in a close one over Michigan. Notre Dame at Northwestern, another big game for the college football playoff because we know Notre Dame has to win out 
They cannot afford to lose. They're going in playing a tough opponent in Northwestern. I just believe too much in the Notre Dame offense. I'm going to take the Notre Dame offense 20. I'm going to take them 27-21 over Northwestern, which actually Northwestern is a nine and a half point favorite. So I'm taking Notre Dame to win, Northwestern to cover. Um, I think they will keep it within that nine and a half number, but um, right, there we go with that. Oklahoma at Texas Tech. I, when we saw these teams play, when it was Pat Mahomes against um, Baker Mayfield, they almost broke both both guys almost broke the scoreboard. Um, this could be one of those same kind of matchups. Cliff uh, Cliff Kingsbury knows how to put points on the board. Oklahoma has an offense that will give up as a defense that will give up a lot of points. I've told you, if you have to win the game late, if you're Oklahoma and it's a one-score game and your defense is on the field, I'm almost at a point where I would say just let them score and let Kyler Murray get the ball back. So don't be surprised if this game is in the 50s. I'm going to take Oklahoma 52 Texas Tech 48. Let me see where that puts everybody. Looking. All right. Oklahoma is 13.5 point favorite. So I'm going to take Texas Tech to keep it within the margin, but Oklahoma to win. Stanford at Washington, although Pac 12 after dark, it's not really that much after dark. Um, yeah. But it is a late Pac 10 game. This game is important. Only to uh, Washington State fans, if Stanford wins this game, um, Washington State, as long as they win, they would basically clinch the Pac-12 North. So they're big Stanford fans this week. Uh, the Cougars up in Pullman, they'll be hoping for a Washington State victory. They'll be hoping for Stanford to wet the floor with Washington. I think Washington keeps it alive here. Keeps it alive, keeps it going for one more week. I'm going to take Washington 27, Stanford 23. So I'm taking Stanford to cover the spread, but Washington to win. And the last game on my schedule, the big one, the big matchup, here in um, the big matchup, LSU-Alabama, we know all that, that comes with this game. We talked about it before. Maybe the committee was setting it up so that if LSU does pull off the – it looks like all the numbers are coming in on – uh, Alabama, all the professional money is coming in on Alabama because the line has gone up from 14 to 14 and a half. So it looks like people are not afraid of that 14 and a half number. Um, I do think, I think it's crazy at this point to even think that. Um, I think the biggest 
issue in this game is uh, Devin White, the amazing middle linebacker for LSU, is out because of a targeting foul in the second half of the Mississippi State game. He will miss the first half. That, I think, will be big because Alabama, the key to beating Alabama is to not let them get on a roll. And I think without Devin White there, that hurts this defense a lot. Um, LSU has the corners. They have Greedy Williams. He has the ability to make those kind of plays. Um, you know, can he play with the wide receivers? The key that I've seen with Alabama is that no one has made them extend plays. If you're LSU, that's pretty much all. That's 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 the first thing that you want to battle with. The first thing you want to do to LS to to Alabama is make them have to extend the play. When Tua is throwing the ball and he's throwing on time, he's unbeatable. When he can sit back there look guys off, throw the other way. He can do magical things, and we've seen it this week. We've seen it this year. We've seen it last year. We've seen all of that out of um, out of Tua. The key is, can LSU do enough to slow down those receivers to make Tua have to make an extra read? We haven't seen... We haven't seen Tua make those kinds of plays where he has to, you know, scramble to throw to make a guy open or, you know, wait until wait to find a receiver for guys to work to get open. Um every time we've seen Tua make plays, it's three step drop, balls out, you know, guy catches it and runs for a touchdown. Seven step drop, Tua's throwing and the guys are wide open. If I want to see if LSU can find a way to make those Alabama this Alabama offense have to work. If they can, they can get a very good start to this. However, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think Alabama is going to be too potent, and I just don't believe the LSU offense is going to be able to get enough points. To be able to do it, I'm going to take Bama 27, LSU 17. That's an LSU cover, but now Alabama win. And holding Alabama to 27 points is an amazing feat with what we've seen this year. So could be an interesting moment for this team. Okay. Okay, we got 10 minutes left. You know we like to do we like to do the NFL. We'll do the NFL really quick. Um, we'll do the NFL really quick. See see how far we get. Uh, any of our picks? If you want to get our picks, if you if you want to know what we're doing, go to Facebook. Go to Fit Down Sports Show on Facebook. We'll post all the picks there, so you'll have them. Uh, so you can make so you, you can make some money off listening to this show because that's what we like to do. Um, you know, sometimes it works where you pick against our picks because um, that seems that seems to be a, a way to go 
uh, some of these weeks too. So, whatever, however you want to use them. How about Thursday night? They spent all year telling us Thursday night is back and Thursday night is meaningful. How about how meaningful is this Oakland San Francisco game on Thursday night? Um, I'm sure Niners Faithful, uh, Niners Faithful Radio, Mondays on Radio AFS. I'm sure they will be watching with Jordan. I'm wondering what they want. I'm wondering if they, I'm wondering if the 49ers want to, if the fan base wants to win because it's against Oakland, or do they want to lose and get the better draft pick? That's what I'm wondering because you got both these teams. Raiders come in at one and six. The um, the 49ers come in at one and seven. So you're looking at probably the loser of this game being getting the number one pick. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. However, I think Oakland is just in a train wreck of a situation. I'm gonna take so I'm gonna take the 49ers to win because they're at home. Um, they're two and a half point favorites, so I'll take the 49ers. I think it'll be close. Also, they have C.J. Beathard, an Iowa quarterback. You know how we like Iowa here. So I'm gonna go with San Francisco. I'm gonna go with San Francisco. They probably they, I'll I'll take I'll take them 17-14. I'll take them by a field goal. That covers the spread, so that is the 49ers. All right, Atlanta at Washington. Uh, a lot of people jumping on Washington, uh, jumping on the bandwagon at Washington. Um, of course, at 5-2, and two, top of the a- a- NFC East, although I don't believe in the NFC East that much. Uh, the Falcons have been sliding all year. Is this the game where they can turn it around? I think they can do enough here, and Washington is one-and-a-half-point favorites, but I think the Falcons, with an upset on the road, I'll take the Falcons 24-20. Chicago at Buffalo. Surprisingly, you know, this is the thing. And we'll probably have to – we'll get into it next week. Uh, when we have some time, and we'll see if this plays out. But coming into last week, coming into this week, everybody is saying, oh, the NFC East is a disaster. The NFC East is a disaster. Yeah, the NFC East is a disaster. The Redskins lead it at 5-2. and two. The, Nobody says anything about the NFC North, which the Packers – because the Packers are there and everybody wants to, you know, be on the right side of, of Aaron Rodgers, they don't want to get on his bad side. But the Chicago Bears lead the NFC North with a four and three record. Last time I checked, four and three is worse than five and two. So everybody wants to talk about how bad the NFC East is, but how about how about we compare it to what 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 else we have going on. And you could make an argument that the NFC East is the second best division in the NFC right now. Um, But we'll save that for another time. 
We'll save that for another time. We'll go with Chicago going into Buffalo. Um, we talked about Buffalo and their quarterback situation. They just got Matt Barkley because their starting quarterback is going to be Nathan Peterman, which means the Bears will probably score about two or three defensive touchdowns. Um, so let's put the Bears in there. I think the Bears win this game handily. They're eight. The Bills are eight-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. Like, when have you seen that? That's crazy. But I'll take the Bears. How about Greg Williams? Hey, Greg Williams, you're hired as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Your first game is going to be at home against Kansas City. That cannot bode well for the Cleveland Browns. I'll take Kansas City here with the eight-and-a-half points. I don't care. I'll take Kansas City to win that game, probably somewhere in the area of 38-10, to 38-17, somewhere around there. Um, either way, you take, you take Kansas City, you take the points, you live with that. Detroit at Minnesota. Talk about this. The Lions are 3-4, and four and they're still alive in the division. Um, but they just traded away Golden Tate. Um, now they go into Minnesota. I would take Minnesota in this one, although, I mean, playing the Lions, not a big-time game, so Kirk Cousins probably will shine. We said it before, he backs down in big spots. We saw that the other night with the pick six and with the problems on offense that they had against the Saints. You know, if he doesn't throw that pick six, if they don't have a fumble, they, they, might have, they might have beaten the Saints. They might have at least made that a game. But I'll take the Vikings at home against the Lions. Uh, you know, the Jets at the Dolphins, we saw what happened when the Dolphins played the Jets the last time. Darnold made some mistakes. Dolphins took over. Um, Dolphins have not looked good the last couple weeks. What's a good prescription for that? Bring the Jets into your home stadium. So uh, could be a good, a good shot in the arm for the Miami Dolphins. I'll take the Dolphins, even though they're three and a half. I'll take the Dolphins by four, maybe 24-20, somewhere in that range. Or can the Jets even get 20 points? But I think the Dolphins can get 24, so we'll go with that. Steelers at Ravens. This is usually a bigger, more hyped-up game. And the Ravens are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. But I think the Steelers are just too much for the Ravens right now. I'm going to take the Steelers. I'm going to take the Steelers to upset the Ravens and keep a good thing rolling in Pittsburgh. Tampa Bay at Carolina. Uh, Fifth Magic is, is starting so you're hoping that there's some magic in there, but I'm going to take Carolina in that one. Six-and-a-half point dogs, I think. I think Fitzmagic is starting, which means uh, you're going to have some problem. You know, Fitzmagic, you know what he likes to do, so you know what he likes to um, be up and down. He, he was way up when he came in for relief. Now he's starting. I think he's going to dip back down, throw a couple of interceptions. Uh, Carolina is able to get off to a good start. Houston at Denver. The interesting thing about this game is Demarius Thomas 
was playing for the Denver Broncos. Now he's playing for the Houston Texans. The Texans have been on a roll since their 0-3 start. In mile high, I'll still take the Texans to win. I'll take the Texans to win, and that's probably a 27-23 game somewhere around there. All right, let's go Chargers at Seahawks. I'll take the Chargers here. A lot of people like what the Seahawks are doing right now, but I like the Chargers better. So I'll take the Chargers over the Seahawks. It's a one-and-a-half point spread, so it's basically a pick em, but I'll take the Chargers. I'll take the Chargers to win the The big game next week is the Los Angeles Rams at the New Orleans Saints. Um, I've got to tell you, the Saints, it's weird to see an 8-0 and team a and O team at this point in the season is an underdog in a game. That tells you how good the Saints are, how much people are believing in the Saints. I will take the Saints to win their one and a half point. The key to this game is take the over. The over under is like 60. Take the over. You'll be happy. You'll be able to watch this game uh, and feel good about yourself. So take the over in that game, but I'm going to take the Saints to win. Green Bay and New England. I'm going to take New England at home. Uh, it hurts me. I, I, I know I'm probably going to get beaten by this by Aaron Rodgers, but I'll take New England at home just because they're at home. Tennessee at Dallas. Um, it's a close pick. Dallas six and a half over Tennessee. Tennessee plays people tough. I'm going to take Tennessee to cover. I think Dallas wins the game, but I think Tennessee keeps it close. They have been in close games. Um, all year long. All right, so a lot of big games this week. We got to close up the shop, but um, you know we'll be back next week to talk about everything. Uh, talk about all your all your sporting needs. We'll be focusing mostly on college football and the NFL, with no more baseball to talk about. So, all right, we will talk to you next week. Enjoy all the games Saturday and Sunday. <laughs>